excited to be chatting to you guys all again. I took a, took a week off, um, went on honeymoon, it was lovely, but now back at it. Um, and excited to have Fran with me. It's now Liam's time to have gone away. So um, yeah, today we're going to talk about how to build a demand gen machine from the ground up. I think we've been quite cognizant of the fact that um, obviously cognizant scaled massively over the last four years. And when I joined, it was just like me and a team of three, but things have obviously changed. And we want to make sure we kind of bring this back to how can you implement the strategies that we're doing today um, if you have less resources? And there's definitely 100% ways in which you can do that. And I hope, um, yeah, Fran and I can kind of shed lots of light on it for you. Also really excited to say that um, we've been thinking about how we can make demandism like more than just these live events and kind of take it outside of that and deliver more value to you guys. So we have created a Facebook group, which you should be able to access, I think through the docs on um, section on your screen. So um, there'll be a link there to the Facebook group, which you can go in and um, yeah, request to join. And that's basically gonna be a space where we share all the resources. So it should be really easily searchable because that's been one of my pain points, I think with Demandism is like, how can you access all the resources on demand when you need them? So that's going to be a place for everyone to go and be able to, to get access to them. We're not trying to create like a um, Exit 5 2.0 at all. This is not a full-blown community. This is really just a place for demandism to live outside of these like one-hour live events that we do every couple of weeks. And also a place for us to kind of answer questions we don't get a chance to answer during the session or continue the conversation after the session. Fran, Liam and I will do some AMAs as well um, at points in between our demandisms. So yeah, basically if you're a demandism fan, hopefully this will be a great place for you guys to spend some time. Um, and yeah, names, just put the link there actually um, to the Facebook group in the chat. So yeah, please do go check it out. So into it, <laughs> so we're gonna kick off with how to structure and like key hires. So I was thinking about this quite hard um before well I was putting the slides together really and I actually decided that because everyone's like organization is going to look different everyone's at a different stage different size I think what's required here is actually a framework for thinking about it rather than like this is the org structure go and recreate it um I don't know if think that would actually be that helpful so I was thinking about it in terms of work to be done and I think this can then be applicable throughout any organization of any size um, and also it means that you're not limited to necessarily finding highly specialized roles. You can keep some roles more, more general that can cover multiple aspects of the work to be done framework. Um, and it just gives you a good way of thinking about how to go scale and hire the team, because this sort of should cover everything that would be required to be done um, if you wanted to execute the cognizant demand generation strategy that we've talked so much about. Um, and yeah, thanks, Fran. Please answer questions throughout. We want to keep it really interactive. So yeah, chuck your questions at us and we'll do our best to answer them all. So talking about the work to be done framework, I've split it up into four key sections, really. So we've got content, then we have capture demand, create demand, and then product marketing, messaging, and positioning. Um, so I think in terms of like on, on, in the content section, the thing, things that are must-haves are you need to have subject matter expertise or the ability to frequently engage with one. So I know that, you know, when you're in your early stages, you're probably not going to be hiring a full-time SME to sit on your team, but there are lots of ways in which you can gain access to an SME, whether that be through um, freelance work with them or 
they might sit already within your organization and just setting up frequent um, conversations and opportunities to engage and interact with them. But that is something that's a must when you're generating this demand, creates demand strategy. So just think about how you can achieve that and where that sits. Um, and then an understanding of content in all its formats. And I think this is really important. I think it's overlooked a lot. So in a lot of organizations, the typical content role is kind of a combined approach of SEO, blog writing. Um, and those are kind of broadly the two key focuses of that role. And with going into this whole new way of doing things, it's really, really critically important that anyone you hire who's going to be in that demand gen content role that they have an understanding of how important it is to have content in multiple formats. So we're talking about not just a blog post, but the ability to curate content off the back of like a live event like this and be able to identify key points that would be great for snippets to run on your page social. Also to be able to think about, could I take these four blog posts and create a bigger content asset that we could run ungated um, and also build some static ads off that would be super engaging to our audience. Um, and just thinking about this in like, a, like from a demand generation focus and multiple content assets kind of um, sphere. And I think that is definitely a skill set in itself. So that I just want to like really call that out as like something that's really important to look for. Um, and then I've, I've put here as well, like journalistic is in, in nature. So what we're trying to do is build this media machine now. We're not thinking about just creating this one-off standalone um, PDF ebook anymore. It's about creating content that really engages our audience, that is of the moment, that is a story. And that's a very different skill set to just going and researching a topic through desk research, writing it up, and not really engaging with actual influencers or subject matter experts or anything else. So again, this is a very different type of content writing um, ability and skills that we're looking for. And then obviously this is kind of like a master, great, a great writer and a great storyteller. So I think on the content side, those are kind of the, the big things um, that I would that I'd be looking for. And whether that sits in, in one role, as I say, or you can get some of this from a demand generation person as well, that, that could be a way in which you can conquer two of these things with like sort of one role. I just think just thinking about the jobs to be done, the key requirements. So, and then capture demand. So what you are gonna need here is you are going to need someone or the ability to have access to someone, whether that be freelance or in-house, that has um, a Google Ads philosophy that is tied to revenue and not in platform metrics or MQLs. So if you are going to use an agency or you are going to use freelancers, the first question I would ask anyone is, what's your Google Ads philosophy? Just high level, like how do you run ads and what do you optimize for? And so quickly you'll be able to find, and it's quite hard to find, those people who actually generally understand what it means to run that platform for revenue rather than for in-platform metrics. Um, so that's something that's super key to everything that we do. Um, and then, and they really need to understand as well the difference between create demand and capture demand. If they don't have that understanding, then ultimately they're not going to be the right fit um, for running this play within your demand gen organization. Um, I've also put that, you know, Ideally, they can apply their paid approach to organic, so they understand how to capitalize on bottom of funnel organic SEO opportunities. This could, I believe that those sort of high intent keyword phrases that you're bidding on and running your Google Ads campaigns for through paid, you should also be having a strategy around for organic and SEO. So I, this could be the same person or it could be split into different roles. Again, it just depends on the talent and where you're looking. 
Um, and, the, and really key is that you have someone who can budget manage and pace. So asking them how they set up that within their you know, previous experience, how have they actually coped with whether you, maybe you have multiple regions or you, and how you run different ad platforms for different metrics. Also, what metrics do they measure and um, how are they tracking that? These are the types of questions that will really make sure you can get under the skin of what type of um, marketer they're going to be. And also someone who's going to take that optimization experimental approach to all of your capture demand work. So what experience did they actually run before? What were the results from a revenue perspective? Um, and what frameworks do they have for testing and trialing things? I think that is, those are really important questions to be asking. If you can get all of that out of someone, then you're going to have someone, either someone or multiple people who, or someone freelance who's very aligned to this whole create demand, demand generation piece. So those are kind of the must haves and the jobs to do there. And then on create demand side. So I think this is, this is definitely hard these days. Um, still to hire for, even though, you know, we've got this great following on demandism, there's lots of people trying to make the shift from lead generation to demand generation, but these roles are um, very different today than they were historically or often are in current organizations. So really getting under the skin of what you're looking for is key. You want someone who first of all, just understands what a media machine is and how they're going to go about executing that um, and creating a strategy around it. So that can actually be a great task that you could be setting someone. Um, they need to, and I think this is the most important thing and this should be throughout any role that you hire for is action biased. They're someone who gets a lot of things done. They get a lot out in the world and they're always adding value. So you can really easily test for this and ask for this. Um, there's people who are great with ideas, but then don't have a clue how to start executing that or delivering it. The people that you need are those who can create an idea and they can get it live. So I think you want a curation, ideation and process superstar. Um, they're completely capable of taking something from concept to live and they can build a scalable process around that as well. Um, and, the, and really, as I would say on the create demand side, they do have an understanding of how to run those in an ad platform, LinkedIn, for example, they understand what types of objectives they would be setting, that they're not optimizing for conversions. We're not running gated content plays and they have a level of like understanding what we're trying to achieve with this philosophy as well. Um, and then on the product marketing messaging positioning side. So this is really important, especially when you're starting out and it's gonna power everything really. Um, it's the link back to the product and they need to be able to take it, articulate it into key assets and messages. Um, and then again, that can be rolled into multiple formats. So whether it be video, web copy, um, persona docs or demo tours, they're also looking after the website, which is your shop window. Um, and they're powering all that content that's gonna go into your product and social proof buckets um, and building all of that bottom of funnel content, which we're going to go into later, which is so, so important for running this type of play. So um, I don't know, Fran, if you've got anything else to add here. Yeah, um, definitely. I guess um, just to echo your thoughts around um, the mindset shift. Um, it's just, um, I've been working a lot with the team recently, just about thinking about things differently. Um, so getting out of those like traditional um, 
sort of habits, those habits, like I know I've got old marketing habits that I have um, focused around um, like conversion metrics and following like a very formulaic plan. So I think like encouraging testing is super important. Um, and it is really um, the main thing that I've been saying a lot on, I've done a few um, podcasts recently, is it's driving value in that collaboration, which is like super important. Um, also, as much as I do have lots to say on this, we do have some really good questions. So um, just specifically on this framework, apparently Alice could do a whole session just on this framework. So that's exciting. It's giving us more ideas. Um, just in terms of prioritization, I guess. So there's one here. Um, so if you're a small company and you want to hire like these roles as you like as we grow, like what would you prioritize first in terms of um, these key hires? I think that would be a good thing to answer. Yeah, so this is going to come, we're actually going to talk about how to focus your prioritization between short term and long term in a later slide, but it kind of leads into the roles, I think, as well nicely. So yeah. I would definitely be looking at this and saying, like, we want to make sure that first and foremost, we've got that captured demand piece covered. So um, like, because that's your that's your low hanging fruit, that's actually going to generate you revenue so that you actually get buy in from execs, you know what you're doing, you're delivering great um, like some great result, early results and it gives you the freedom to then really build on the create demand side of things so someone who's going to be very good on the capture demand piece is what I would say is like an absolute priority and then I would and then I would say you need to have this content person so you need a content person ideally they are someone who has an understanding of what it means to do demand generation content that it's content in multiple formats it's not just writing for SEO for blog um, it's so much more than that. Um, and it could, they could then also at the same time, you might find that, that the perfect profile for that is actually an ex-demand gen marketer or a current demand gen marketer who qu quite wants to get involved more in content. And they are great at creating the, the actual briefs of the writing that then you could potentially outsource to freelance. But the hard bit is having that mindset and understanding and being able to um, get your head around what you're trying to achieve from this like create demand content. So I think I would over index on that demand generation philosophy mindset and less on the actual writing ability. Um, I think you can get around that through good freelance processes and quality control. Um, so you could probably tie those two quite closely together in the early days. Um, so that would be probably the two, the two things that you can't really miss out on. I mean, the product, the product side is so important and we're going to talk about why later. So, you know, I'd probably be looking at like three, three, ideally three hires that you could probably roll a lot of this into. Or you might be able to find that demand gen content person can also become the product expert who can also have time for this messaging and positioning and creating the bottom of funnel pieces. But I just be wary of like asking someone to do too much. Um, yeah, that's that's my, my main that would be my main concern. Brown, I don't know if you've got anything else to add. No, echo that, um, definitely. Okay. I'd say, um, yeah, trying to not do too much at once, um, for sure. Um, I think that that can really hurt in terms of focuses. Um, so, yeah, I would say um, focus on those key hires um, and get your priority. I mean, I know you're going to talk about this anyway in the slides, but it's just really that prioritization on short term and long term. Um, and then looking through the rest of the questions, I do think that your slides are going to answer pretty much most of them. So shall I let you crack on and then? Yeah. The other thing I would just say as well, I'm just going to, and is I think you could probably get the capture demand piece filled like agency and freelance mm. if you find the right people to work with. So 
and I've try, tried to give quite a good steer here on the types of questions you should be asking around that and like the the approach they should be taking if they if they were to look to take that on for you so if you could take that off and freelance that piece that would leave you freer to look at two roles which span create demand um sort of dg type um persona which might also have the product rolled into it and then a really real content person and you or you might be able to sort of accomplish those last three pillars within two key hires depending on you know their expertise um so i would that's the way i'd probably think about it is also thinking about what could i what could i freelance um and beyond the philosophy on the google ads piece the actual execution of it is fairly straightforward and you, you don't necessarily require the same level of like expertise and in-house knowledge and ability so yeah that would i guess that would be a way of also thinking about it as well um okay now let's crack on to the next slide. How to hire. So I'm just going to like talk about this. Obviously, we're sharing slides later so you can really deep dive like our tasks and um, this, like, the top level role spec. But this the, the role, I thought this was quite a good example of how um, kind of niche we get when we act, like activate a role um, in a hire. So for our demand generation roles, we actually like really call out that these people need to live and breathe the philosophy that we're talking about. They understand the dark funnel and dark social. Um, they understand the difference between creating and converting demand. And absolutely, it means we get far less people apply for these jobs, but it makes our lives a lot easier actually because we're not combing through tons of CVs. We get really high quality candidates when they do come in um, and we're making it like very clear in the spec what we're after. It's not a generic demand generation spec. So I just, I guess my key point here is don't be afraid to be really specific in what you're looking for um, and the this type of vocabulary this type of um yeah guidance I think in the spec is really helpful and it hasn't meant we haven't been able to hire we've actually been able to hire amazing people so um just a quick tip there and then in terms of the tasks so on the left hand side we've got a task that we give our demand generation managers and then on the right hand side it's actually a task um that we created for this demand gen content role um, and I think, I guess, again, you can read these in your own time when you get the slides, but these are really practical. These are like, this is literally what they would be doing in those jobs if they got them. Uh, so again, just a key tip is make sure like the jobs to be done framework that you're hiring for, you actually create a task that represents those jobs to be done. And that's the best way for you to be able to measure that their ability to actually do those, that work, um, in the role. So, um, yeah. And the slides will be shared in the Facebook group, Alex. So get yourself, Alexandra, get yourself in there. Um, cool. Next slide. What KPIs should we be tracking? Gosh, some bright green going on here. Okay. So um, we're talking about like, I think what in the early days, don't over index on the output KPIs. Okay. So we know the things that we want to drive. We want to be driving revenue. We want to be driving opportunity pipeline. We want to be driving um, direct declared intent inbounds. Those are like the three core things that everything is focused on. But we also want people to know, like, and love us. That's the broader kind of engagement piece that we're trying to build up with this create demand initiative. And in order to get to those outputs, you're going to have to think about the inputs that you need, especially when you're just starting from the beginning and you're building your team. And this is all kind of new, right? And it's probably new to them too. So for them to like get their feet wet, it's think like Fran, you can probably talk to this, but some of the things that you set with your team, oh, I think I might have frozen. Am I still there? 
Yeah, I can still hear you. It's just you a little bit okay. frozen, but you're back. <laughs> but often when they're just new to the team, we're focusing on like input goals rather than like the ultimate outputs, which I put on the slide because I know everyone loves an output goal. But I think, yeah, do you want to just come in and talk about some of the, the inputs that you set at the early stages? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think when we're like thinking about like KPIs and like what we're reporting on, um, we split it. Um, I split it in two like with the team. So um, I'll talk about it a bit later, but fine to talk about now. So it's engagement versus like the conversion metrics. And that's how we divide the two. Um, but the way that I talk about it is that we equally weight the engagement metrics and the conversion metrics. So my team don't report every week on just on this is the amount of pipeline we've generated from X amount of activity. Um, it's the engagement metrics that can be really strong leading indicators as well. And by engagement metrics, what I mean is you're launching like paid um, ads on paid social and you're looking at the qualitative feedback, you're looking at the comments, um, you're looking at the engagement rate, you're looking at the video views. And that's a really strong indicator of um, how those pieces of content are performing. So I really encourage the team to deep dive those and really understand how the content's resonating, um, how the ads are resonating, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also I think most people will agree that, you know, you don't, sales cycles can be varying different lengths. So you can't always rely on those conversion metrics um, straight away. So especially if you're doing weekly reporting or bi-weekly reporting, that pipeline growth and those deals, sometimes, you know, they'll come 30, 60, 90 days afterwards. So it's, again, it's important to have those like leading indicators that you're focusing on. Um, and also like we don't discount conversion, but you have to remember that the buyer journey isn't linear. So um, you're not going to be able to attribute um, everything. Um, and also, I think a key learning for the team that we've had at the moment is I don't have or we don't have one report that is a single source of truth. And that can be quite stressful <laughs> for some of the team because they want to concrete. They just want one dashboard, don't they? They want one dashboard. Yeah. They want to go to Alice and say, my campaign's doing really well. And here's my dashboard. And it can't work like that. So there's been a real education piece around, um, as Liam would actually say, just measure everything and then you can distill it down into like what's important. Um, and I guess at the beginning, it can be a little bit like all over the place, but you do start to standardize that reporting as you go. But at the beginning, the advice would be to measure everything. Um, and I think back also to this point of like input. So like, yeah, we, we go to the measurement, but like in the early days, it'd be like, okay, I want this, this for the next two weeks, we want to get um, ads live in every bucket of our mm. demand creation strategy on LinkedIn. So that would be, and the Trello board, which is linked to in the media section on your chat, will take you to the Trello board. And this has them all, all those buckets mapped out, explains exactly what they are, gives you ad examples, how we measure them. But anyway, so those ad buckets, we might say, we want to get live ads for the sales persona in every single bucket. And that is going to be our input goal. Obviously, a month later, we'll go to output goals and we'll start looking at these metrics around scale, ad engagement, video and feed consumption, et cetera. But just for getting going, like the most important thing is just like actually get stuff live. Again, the same when you have that new person sitting in this like demand gen content role, it's like, okay, well, I really want you to focus on taking for the next like month, um, the, ne the next sort of four lives that we do and distilling that content into multiple formats, which are gonna power our media engine both organically but and also through paid and so that's like a okay we're going to do this and then we're going to execute it and then again we can start looking and measuring the results of that so 
I think start with inputs, transition to outputs. And again, there's not going to be one dashboard that measures all of this. And you want to look at engagement and you want to look at conversions. But the two are going to come together to give you this amazing um, demand generation engine ultimately in the end. So, uh, yeah, that that's... Um, a summary on the KP. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, questions here. So let me have a quick look um, if we can answer. So would you consider every demo request as marketing sourced, even if the person first heard about you, your product through an existing client? So no, um, we have multiple campaign types that um, people can come and register for a demo request through. That would be, for example, that would be client referrals. So that wouldn't end up being a marketing sourced um, demo request or deal ultimately and we can track that all in our sales force um, and so yeah that that's that would not come under marketing and let's have a look when you're starting a demand gen plan on paid social how much time would you recommend running initial tests for so think about your deal cycle length and I would say you want to do like at least one and a half times your deal cycle length to be running that test for otherwise you're not going to start to see um, the kind of results that you need to in terms of trends in direct declared intent demos going up um, and then ultimately the rest of the pipeline following through. So that would be the rule of thumb that I would say in terms of when you kick off your paid social test. Mm. Um, I think iterate as well on that, like iteration is important. Um, like don't say, right, I'm going to run a test and it's going to be for X, like in like, this amount of time and, and not look at it. I think like iteration is really important. So we would do like, on paid social, we'd run like two weeks, um, one to two weeks and add in optimizations and then continue running it. For us, it's a period of like six to eight weeks, but again, it will differ. But I think as well, like we've, you've always got to be like going in and learning and looking at it. And as Alice says to us often, like don't just set and forget it and hope to just get the results at the end of the experiment. You won't ever get to it, Cognizant either, because I'll ask you every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> so, Jan, great question on tech stack and right reporting and dashboards. I mean, I think that's a whole series like session in itself. I don't, we haven't covered the dashboard side of it. How oh, we actually, no. how, and actually we probably could do a guest appearance from our superstar marketing ops MC as well on that. And um, also Francesca who looks after our insights and analytics and how we've set things up. So we will do that. I think that needs to be a whole session in itself. Um, so yeah. If people find that useful, why don't you emoji Jan's question? And then we know we've got some, um, yeah, some people keen. Uh, and then in Re Rebecca's question, so if you're measuring everything at the beginning, what would you start reporting to your CEO and board? This is ultimately, unfortunately, the CEO and board still only care about revenue pipeline and pipeline creation, really. Those are like the two things. So I would say it's, it's sort of gently, gently with this. It's the, it would, I started by showing the correlation between the demand gen great demand gen spend that I had and the 36% increase that I'd seen month over month in the direct declared intent demo requests. And so just by showing those two graphs side by side, at the same time, we were still hitting the revenue and pipe targets. Like that just started to, like I was saying, this is coming from this new way of doing things. We've just got small tests running, but this is what we see. And at the same time, don't worry, we're still hitting revenue and pipeline, like we're all good. Um, and then obviously once you start transitioning fully into just that create demand um, demand generation way of doing things. What I was then reporting on was the gap. So you can see in my split funnel reporting here on the screen, what I like the gap was identified by, okay, so we have this many, this many deals that we allocate that come from content MQLs. 
And so I know that through taking away that whole play, we need to be generating at least that number, if not more, to prove that it's really working and scaling through the high intent piece. And all of the figures um, need to be better in the blended picture, which is ultimately just high intent than they were when we had the two different plays running. And that was the clearest way to show like this strategy works and it works way better. So definitely start split funnel reporting as well with the board and the CEO, because that can also help you prove out um, everything later on. Okay, and then still more, more KPIs. So I, I'll, I'll kind of leave, leave you guys to take this away. We've, I think we've covered a lot of it, but um, on the right-hand side, I would not underestimate these. These are all around the engagement metrics. And Fran was talking about this earlier, how we split things between like engaging, engagement and consumption, which is really important to this whole create demand way of doing things. And then conversion stuff, which is your normal, you know, your normal metrics that you'd be used to measuring. So these would be the ones that we really like to focus on. And any campaign that we're running, will be looking at these and you can push that data into like a Google data studio as well. And like, that's a great way of looking at it too. Um, and then let's move on. So long-term versus short-term focus. So I want to talk about this because it can be very daunting. Like, where do I start? There's so much that I could do, like what's going to actually have an impact. Um, and don't, you also don't want to think, don't want to forget about the stuff that's going to be the cumulative effect of it over the long term is going to be so important for you like in the future and hitting your future goals which only grow and increase so there is a balance to be had between short-term low-hanging fruit that you can prioritize right now and like the longer term compounding types of work that you'll be doing um so i would say the on the short term when you look at seo you want to just think right i need to have this covered off as my absolute base I need to have my competitor keyword search terms sorted. And I need to have created a plan around the highest commercial intent keyword search terms. And I need to have created that content, optimized it and have that out in the world and live. Because these are like the low hanging fruit from an SEO perspective that you should really just have done straight away. And then on your capture demand piece, you want to, you definitely want to make sure you've got your competitor campaigns set up. You've got to want to make sure you're protecting that brand. That's what you're working so hard to generate all of this awareness for. So make sure you have a brand campaign running. And also this would be like the plus high intent phrases around your core offerings, which are probably going to be very similar words that you're going to be going after in the SEA plan above. And then I would say like, again, that trolley board sets out the four buckets that we run on the create demand side. But even if you, in the in the short term, low hanging fruit, get the product and social proof buckets live. That would be like the minimum viable product really that you could get going with um, and get started with today. And then I would say that something, a really good initiative would be to, on the media machine side, to have a regular live event up and running, something like this demandism that you can build on the back of. And that media machine could just start to like tick over. Um, and then I would say, this is, comes back to that jobs to do point that this is around the product piece, but message testing your high intent, high volume website pages. So where is that traffic that you're driving people to, to the website, to find out about you, to understand what you do mainly going and make sure that the messaging on those pages is really, really good. Um, we use winter for that, but if you can't use a technology like winter, then, um, I would just suggest spending a lot of time doing AB testing and optimizing. Uh, and then on the long-term compounding impact, so you can build out the SEO plan further than just these two core things that need to be done um, and start thinking about 
higher difficulty keywords with like larger volumes. And then that's that whole piece around you actually need to defend and maintain your existing rankings. So don't go beyond what your resources allow. Like that's all I would say. There's no setting and forgetting with SEO. You need to make sure that you're set up to succeed. Like there's no point gaining a ranking if you lose it and then you have no resource to actually get that back. So just think about that as well when you're building out your plan. Um, and then on the captured demand side, so optimizations and testing, you need to build a process and framework how you can continue to execute this. So, you know, it's, it's never done. The work's never done. You might have a really well-performing campaign um, or you, and it, it's going really well for like the, a month or two months and then you suddenly see a huge dip and it might be because your competitors are to bid more aggressively or your quality score on the landing page has decreased. All sorts of things can happen. So you need to be set up to make sure that you have a process around how you're going to continue to um, work when it comes to that capture demand piece. And then I would say on the create demand, it's about actually expanding this out now. So we've, we've, we've covered the low hanging fruit, the product and social proof buckets. And now we need to think about the content and thought leadership buckets. So this will require a bit more um, work, thought and process. And a lot of the work that goes into the media machine can be reused in this create demand piece. Um, there's a lot of information on the Trello board about this as well. So please take a look there again. And then your organic LinkedIn company page, that's a longer term compounding impact. Like it's a strategy that will pay off in the long run, but it's not going to give you results tomorrow. But have a strategy around it if that is where your audience is, or if it's not LinkedIn, it might be Twitter. But whatever that platform is, think about that strategy and start executing it daily. Um, and then subject matter expert activation. I think this is a key learning. We, we've really doubled down on this this year, but you don't, you're not going to see results overnight from this. The content that you create with your subject matter expert is going to power a lot of the things that go into your media machine, that go into your create demand work. But ultimately seeing their name come up on that human attribution form um, and start to like see the repeatability of it will take time. Like it's probably taken, probably took like sort of three to six months for that to be repeatedly echoed in the human attribution. Like we knew that tons of that work was delivering conversions through the create demand stuff that we were doing. And we knew that it was also generating great engagement in our media machine work, but actually seeing it trickle through in the conversions and like in a repeatable way, it, that takes time, but it does also garner you this huge brand. Um, the brand play is very powerful, but so that's, that's why I put it in the longer term piece. And then journalistic content creation. I think this can be difficult one for people to kind of get their head around and understand. And it's it's not writing for SEO. It's not writing just a blog post um, so that you can rank on Google. This is around like creating generally valuable content that your audience are really interested in of the moment. It's the story, it's finding out that story and then consistently doing that like time and time again. And then your blog or your hub becomes the go-to place as a resource for that audience because you, it's not, you know, you're, you're always on the buzzer when it comes to these topics. And again, that's longer term, that won't happen overnight. So that's where I put that there. Um, and then the second wave of message testing. And then finally, I'm going to go, I said, I'd say campaigns because I know Fran and Liam did this whole session on that last time, which will be accessible in the Facebook group as well. Um, but I think that is something that you can do when you've got everything else working really, really well. And it's another layer to the whole, um, demand generation creation piece. So let's, I know we've got tons of questions. I just want to make sure we get through enough of this content and then, um, yeah, I'll just really, really quickly run through this and then we'll look at the questions when Fran takes over 
um, and answer some of those. So philosophies and mindset, I just want to say these are like they, these are three of the core philosophies that I think Fran would probably attest to that like are drilled into the team at Cognizant. Definitely. I, I call it marketing, <laughs> but it's basically this idea. And when you're starting off, this is so important, like create the demand first and then scale it. And we still battle sometimes with our team. Like they, they overthink something. They're worried, like, what if it's so popular? You know, we can't scale it out beyond this or like it blocks them from executing sometimes. And you want to unblock that by just saying, like, what's the worst that happens? Like too many people want to access our Trello board that we break it. I don't know. You know, what, what's the work? Too many people want to be part of um, the demandism community that we actually don't have time to respond to all the questions and everything that's happening within there. Okay, well, then we've got a business case for why we might need some extra resource added to it. So my point is don't let, so I've put a snapshot of the demandism community on the right and then the Trello board on the left, just as examples of like, these are things that they're not perfect yet. They're definitely, you know, they might, we might not, we might have to evolve them as we scale and as they, as yeah, everything scales with it, but we've just got them out. It took like, it was an idea that I had on a dog walk two weeks ago, I think names running this whole um, thing and he can attest to it. He's brand new in, he's only been here three weeks. And he's created a Trello board and he's created a community um, and it's live and in the world. So MVP marketing, live and die by it. I think it's the best thing. Um, and it kind of ties in with idea execution and prioritization. So it's like, what, what, what's the potential benefit for us of this activity versus looking at an old nurture that, to be honest, hardly anyone engages with anyway. And we could do something with, but ultimately, like the compounding impact of that is probably very little. So just think about that when you're trying to think about prioritization. Um, and then for a real demand generation strategy to work, you need to build repeatable, curatable content. So whether it, I think the live event format works so well for this and don't worry if no one turns up, it's not, it's not about who turns up to listen to it live. It's about the quality of the content you produce in that hour and then having an amazing format from which you can take and create various other pieces of content from as well. So get into that process of um, repeatability and curatability. I think on um, prioritization as well, it's really important with um, what I've learned with the team is we, we get into a rut of like doing something because we've always done it. So we always do something exactly like this. So we do a webinar and we cut it up into exactly six snippets or we do nurtures because we've had nurtures since, I don't know, they joined the marketing team. And I think it's always good to challenge what you have running. Um, and it's fine to park that and say, well, that's not adding value. We can pause that because we need to pour more resource into something else. And I think that's particularly important in smaller teams as well. Like, don't be afraid to shut something off just because it's what you've always done. Um, I think would something that we're like definitely going through at the moment. So yeah, definitely for sure. Um, okay, and then we've got quite a quick question from Matthew here, just and then before I let you take the floor, Fran. Yeah, sure. Um, about encouraging like personal branding and um basically your 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 team posting on LinkedIn or um people from the company posting on LinkedIn. So what I would say about this, there's no point creating some sort of big program and like have a grand idea of I'm gonna get all the sales and everyone posting on LinkedIn all the time, because um, it just ultimately doesn't happen. It has to come and be led from, from the front. So like Fran, myself and Liam, like I think I actually just set you and Liam separate KPI, oh, I set, definitely set Liam this and whether that distilled down to you, Fran, probably. Um, but it was just a goal in his sort of um, performance review around 
uh, you know, you need just posting regularly kind of every other week. Um, and also I was asking him around his blockers and like why he was not doing that. And it often just came back to feel like he didn't have like value, value to add to the audience, which is just completely untrue. Every single person has value to add because someone else is going through something that they've already been through or they've learned something that someone else doesn't know about yet. So I think just really just continuing to harp on that message and to say everyone has something valuable that they can deliver. And then also really rewarding and actively encouraging those actions when they do happen are like positive reinforcement are things that really like will work. And ultimately now Fran and Liam are their own influencers and they're getting, you know, all over the place. They get asked for podcasts <laughs> and everything else. So now I don't even need to like encourage it because, you know, if they see the value, not only for their personal brands and like for their careers, but it's also amazing for um, Cognizant and, and their names are coming through on the human attribution and it's reasons why people are coming to Cognizant as well. So I would just say like setting, maybe it needs to be at like an input KPI um, and then, ultimately they get into the rhythm of that and they and also just trying to understand what the blocker is in the beginning for not doing it and then when it comes to our SMEs our subject matter experts we make life incredibly easy for them basically to make sure that they do it so um we'll interview them and then we'll create the we'll write the post they'll just have a quick proof of it and then they'll post it live um but it comes from their knowledge so it's an interview with them and you get very used to their tone of voice and how to write for them as well. And that way that becomes like an easily scalable process around which you can create, um, yeah, continued output from your SMEs. But if you're talking broader company, then those would be the key points. I don't know if you might need to add. Yeah, definitely. I think from personal branding perspective, it's the positive reinforcement. I think once you do start doing it, you, you know, you can continue to do it. But I think it is that... Um, like leading from the front and like we were seeing like Alice was posting and then we were sort of like thinking about like topics that we could speak to as well and I just think it is that um like I had loads of chats with Liam like oh what could we even talk about and once we actually started the good thing about it is is not only do you feel like you're adding value like you connect with other people and you get comments and likes and shares and we've actually had loads of calls with like other marketers and then brought ideas back to the team so it is all that sharing and like collaboration piece um and I think as well for us um much more junior members of the team as well like it's encouraging them and, and saying you know you've got value to add it's like really just communicating that everyone does have something to say um so yeah it's- that point, Matt's talking about running workshops and remember we did do that in the early days that did really help didn't we with Greg we had the personal branding workshops that was like a check-in point for everyone yeah we did we did have um yeah, so Greg used to run personal branding workshops, which did work very well. But I think then they became like very consistent. Like it was like every two weeks in the calendar. And then um, I think people felt pressure that they had to join and had to post. So I think running workshops around like why you should do it and what the benefits are. And then active encouragement is the best way to do it. I don't, I think sometimes when you, when you like say to somebody, right, we're going to schedule this session and we're going to do our post today. Some people don't really work like that. They don't you know some people have an idea off the cuff and want to post so I think provide the resource but don't make it like mandatory for them to do it does that make sense yeah and it's definitely how that's the approach that Cogs and we've had and it's working so I think yeah okay let's 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 get you going Fran okay okay great great um oh gosh we've really we've really talked a lot haven't we um again I'll be I mean find it hard to be (laughs) you'll be brief (laughs) 
I don't think I've ever said that in my life. So um, content, so you want to talk a little bit about content, provide really actionable examples and um, content engine being aka our media machine, how um, the demand gen team focus on this. Um, and yeah, the as Alice always says um, and has said at the beginning, it's, you know, it's aligning demand gen and content, like having that content and SEO exec sitting on your team. The role isn't, the content role isn't writing blog posts every week. It's slicing and dicing um, live, I don't know, live webinars. It's cutting up videos from um, subject matter experts. It's really like thinking outside the box in terms of engaging where your audience are. So I always write this and I always say this to the team all the time. It's like provide the most value for your audience, like where they actually hang out. So there's no point in churning out loads of content on Twitter if that's not where your audience are essentially um and then just in terms of planning I'll kind of just breeze over this but um again it's just a structure I think it's good um you'll have the slides afterwards but just in terms of like the engine how you're going to get started and what you should be thinking about so most importantly is like understanding your audience I'll go into this a little bit more on the other slides on like helpful ways to do that but let's be realistic like where do your audience have hanging out like we do there's no point in putting time and energy into I don't know the, the perfect tweet if that's not you know if your audience aren't there um customer research and key trends of course like listening to customer calls I think something that we've um started to focus on more and more is your close one analysis so where are your customers coming from what do they look like um what key trends can you um identify whether it's industry job titles close one reasons um so it's really important to spend more time understanding your audience and then defining that icp the ideal customer profile and just choose one key persona to start with if you're just starting out with this um i think you can be spread too thin if you say if you're trying to be all things to all people um, and especially if you're a smaller team as well um and then again it's thinking about uh, a content theme to run with so you've got your key persona and you'll think about what content to serve to them again you need to be doing research understanding what your persona um, pain points are you need to be stress testing your messaging seeing what resonates again like often I think I've spent a lot of my career like years ago maybe just going I think this would be a great topic and then speaking to somebody in the content team which I'm quite far removed from and say let's just write a white paper on it but there's no, I, there's no thought behind like the delivery, what kind of messaging we should be using, specific pain points you should hone in on and highlight. So I think, again, I can't stress enough like how important this is. Um, and then again, distribution, um, focus on a channel, like your key channel, like where, you know, where is that? What is that channel that's driving the most engagement? Like for us, that's um, one of those channels is definitely LinkedIn. So focus on like pick your focus channel. And then start thinking about formats. How can you um, engage your audience? How can you be value-led? How can you utilize um, subject matter experts? And this is just, I guess, a general framework just to start thinking about um, in the planning phase. I guess um, we. this is by no means my own thinking. We've, we've this has been buzzing around LinkedIn, the 3C content method. Um, I've just put it into a nice diagram um, to make it a little bit bigger, I suppose. Um, so yeah, there's this um, idea around when you're thinking about content, I think this is like really simple. You've got your cornerstone content, so your bigger thought leadership pieces. Is it a piece of research you wanna work on like over the quarter? Is it like, are they like digital events, for example? 
And then you've got your monthly core content, which are your actionable like blog posts, your podcasts, videos. Um, so, you know, planning um, actionable topics that feed back into that cornerstone content, that thought leadership stuff. Um, and then daily, you should really be focusing on your organic social posts, um, full of value, um, emails that you're sending out, nurtures, um, again, as always, um, like video snippets. So I think it's just quite a nice way to think about it if you're starting out and just how to categorize all of that. And then um, how to get started. So I've done this on how to get started based on a team of three. So I want us to be really mindful that um, not everybody has um, loads of resource. So in my team, I've got a demand gen manager, demand gen exec, and a content and SEO exec. So again, I've just spoke about this, but understanding your ICP. So the close one analysis, um, again, um, I've just been through, but identify trends in regards to job titles, industries, and something as well is like churn rates interesting. So who are your more, um, like what do your more, your more, do your more sticky customers have in common? Like those customers that tend not to churn. Again, that's a sync with your um, like customer team, um, just to really understand that. Again, like syncing with sales, listening to prospect calls, what are the common pain points that are coming up? Um, I think something that's interesting for us um, when, and we, we you, I'll show an example later, but we produce like, wow, we call them wow moments videos. But when you're listening to calls, you know, what are customers like really excited about? When are they saying, oh, we absolutely love this feature? Because that is something, um, particularly if it's like your core persona that you're, you know, you can start to communicate um, with the rest of your audience. Um, and then, yeah, again, it's just, I just wanted to put here, like, note that this is the collaboration between demand gen and content. Um, so it shouldn't just be one or the other. Everyone should work on that together. Again, um, testing. So map out um, three to four core messages and see if these resonate. So for message testing, there's different ways. So speak with existing customers, reach out to prospects. Um, for us, like, engage with the subject matter in your space. Um, there might be two to three subject matter experts you can speak to. You might have be lucky enough to have a subject matter expert internally that you can speak to. Um, use um, tools such as Winter. So we've started we've started using that this quarter. It's been like super valuable for us. Um, and then just adapt high intent web pages and measure those results as well. Um, I think your homepage, your pricing page. Um, we often like we've started now changing the messaging on our homepage, annotating that in Google Analytics, and then seeing um, increase there in like time on page, increasing like conversion rates if um, in conversions if it's on the demo page. So there's loads and loads of stuff you can do um, even if you don't have a big budget. Um, and then content team, um, you know, start to map out the high intent SEO wins that Alice spoke about earlier. Um, map out your content plan and then um, here like the content again the content can be anything from a blog post to um, a short video clip um, demand gen identify where your ICP hang out already alluded to that what's the focus channel what works best and start to run small paid ads experiments again as Alice said let's start with the bottom of funnel social proof product ads if you're gonna start running tests here um, and then here Oh gosh, we're really running out of time, but I'll carry on. Um, I'm sure we can have five minutes at the end. Um, so again, like step three for me, it's all about the value. So we're in a situation where you've got your ICP down, um, you've started to message test, you've chosen your focus channel. So what do you do next? 
So create demand focus. Again, um, set the social proof um, and product buckets live. I won't go through that because Alice has mentioned it before. What I will do is give you some examples of what you can do, like what that can actually look like. So um, you can do case studies with quotes, create ads. We've, we're going to launch these actually, I think this week, well, we will be this week. Um, if Tim on my team is listening, it's definitely going to be this week. Um, so we'll create um, ads based on G2 reviews. So that's another way to reinforce your message. And then the wow moments video that I spoke about, take snippets from prospect calls, um, calling out like your best features and what they like the most. And you can run that on paid social for awareness. From the product side, um, definitely something that we've been testing is an ungated product tour. Again, resource-wise, you can record on Zoom um, and walk, give a walkthrough of your product and then reach out to a freelancer on Upwork and they can create snip and then you can create these snippets for social. So it doesn't have to be a heavy lift. Our first product tour was um, our um, member of our product marketing team literally just going through saying, this is how it works, being really transparent. Um, and we got it live and out there. Again, like done was better than perfect. It wasn't the glamorous video, but it was definitely adding value. Um, and then just another one on the product side, just remember to optimize for in-feed consumption um, and educate your audience. So don't worry about, I did a post about that like, like yesterday, like don't worry about um, product ads having to be measured on conversion. Um, we want as many people to be educated on our product. So look at, um, you know, a reach objective, for example, um, is, is much better um, way to get that message out there. Um, capture demand focus for the quick wins. So brand keywords. Um, so yeah, again, um, start with your brand keywords, your competitive keywords and your high intent phrases. Um, I think again, like just pay attention to those negative keywords on the high intent phrases. And then also something interesting on your competitors' keywords for your Google ads um, is even if we get even if we get those, um, get capture that demand and they go through the sales cycle um, and you're not closing deal, like you don't even close that deal, your sales team are going to get really valuable insights during the sales process. So I think that's really interesting to note. Um, and then I continue. Um, so again, just for the create demand some more ideas here again you can consume them at your leisure but I think for the con from a content side it's securing an interview with subject matter experts in your space record that interview write up the interview but you know utilize that information in loads of different formats it might be organic social posts videos um you know work with the dg team on where they want to distribute it um, and then again, um, as Alice mentioned, something that's worked really well for us um, is like running a live event. I've just put some top tips here, but we're running out of time, so I'm not going to read them. But um, you guys can read them at your own leisure. Um, and then over-indexing on bottom of funnel content. There's loads of examples here. Um, what I will do, because I'm conscious of time, is write. I'm going to write a post on our new group on Facebook and tell you um, all the different ways in which we've over-indexed on bottom of funnel content. So basically ideas on how you can get the word out about your product or service. So I'll do that. I'll make a promise to do that. Um, there we go. Let's just, yeah. we just talk through some of these just quick because I think it's quite interesting. We can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. just really quickly. So um, some of the things that we've done. So... Well, one of the things is like creating these um, 
pages by persona where we have a click through product or based on workflows we know that persona uses that's the far left hand side we actually use a tool called nomatic to do this but if you don't have nomatic like we said we, you could literally just record yourself doing that workflow in your product and put it on the page um it's just a question of just yeah getting it out there and testing it and seeing how it resonates we also um started using we got our customer success team who are obviously experts in the product and pitching the product to our customers daily and understand the workflows better than anyone else so we just got them to record a couple of um almost like case study videos so they would talk about the cust what are their successful customers and how they got that success using cognizant and actually work through work through that process with the product so people can see that in action so that's a way of kind of um hacking getting an actual case study video you can just use your customer success team to basically work through that example um which i think is it's really really good it's called nevatic fans oh you put the link in great and then another thing we've been working really hard on is like comparison pages with our competitors so definitely something to spend a lot of time with if you are in a highly competitive market um really thinking about like how it is that you're different and lots of message testing optimizations on this i don't you can't spend enough time on this stuff this is vital for you for your audience that's the first thing they're going to think about um and also for your sales team so it can be utilized by multiple people um and then other things this is another example of like the diamond data so we knew this is a part of our product that we we pitch a lot we talk about but what actually is it like we just brief explainer videos um, and then embedding them on a dedicated page all around this point. Uh, again, like dedicated product tools for different types of personas, um, an RI calculator. That was literally just an Excel spreadsheet to begin with. And then we evolved it. That's a great example, again, of MVP marketing. Start with an Excel spreadsheet. When you get the demand, then build a tool. Um, I think it's this, ooh, oh yeah. And then that's, that's how to measure back to France to kind of round us off on looking at the things that we care about in terms of measuring success. Sure. Um, we covered this earlier, but again, um, it's what we track. So reach and engagement. So if you are running, um, example, you're launching product ads on LinkedIn. Um, think about impressions, reach, uh, video views, the frequency. Um, to note, you know, frequency, we, we refresh our creatives every six to eight weeks because we don't want them to get fatigued. Um, click-through rate and engagement rate. So all of that good qualitative feedback as well. So for us, like reach and engagement is just as important um, as looking at obviously the conversion metrics. So we use first and last touch attribution um, and we value like first touch is the same as last touch right now. Um, that's how we're focusing on it. Um, so I guess like key learnings, um, which I always um, speak to the team about. So conversions won't happen overnight. So it's important to look at reach and engagement as leading indicators when starting out. Include engagement metrics in your reporting. So you can get in continued buying from leadership is more effective if you're actually reporting on these engagement metrics alongside the conversion metrics. Um, and also another thing which, which we have been a little bit guilty of in the past is measure your campaigns against the right metrics. So it's really tempting to go back to measuring um, click-through rate because that's something that I know I've done for years. Um, but if your objective is reach or video views, you'll be measuring against like the wrong objectives. So, like actually really think about the objective and how you can report positively or not um, on, on what you're seeing. So yeah, I think that's a good way um, to finish. I think we got through so much. I feel like I was racing at the end there. I know. That's the end.
<laughs> we got through it all. I feel like the questions, there are lots of questions. So what we're going to do actually, because this is the whole reason this Facebook group exists, is we are going to take the questions that we haven't answered, we'll put them on the Facebook group and we will answer them there like an AMA. And if there's conversations that you want to continue on the Facebook group um, with us, just yeah, start start a start a thread and we'll that's what it's there for and we'll keep keep interacting um over on that group so that this isn't the end it feels like everyone's like not got what they wanted from it so hopefully that was useful slides recording everything will be on the facebook group you can also access all the past demandisms you'll learn first about the future demandisms that trello swipe file that i referenced a lot is in there as well we'll keep building out please feedback to us as well we want to like build this with you guys so yeah, whatever you find useful, just let us know. Um, but thank you so much again for listening and being with us today. And we'll see you, I guess, in a few weeks.